Amen. All right, well, good morning, and I'm Pastor Brian. You know, I'm excited about going through the pursuit. We're in week five today. And if you're new here, if you're not sure what this is, this, these are the essentials of biblical Christianity. If there are 12, 12 things that I would want to make sure that you knew, these are the 12 things. We, we came up with this several years back, but we've never preached on it. We thought this summer was a perfect time to preach on the pursuit. We're working on a booklet for it. We've got the series online at pursuegod.org forward slash go so that you can bring people through it in your world. I'm actually bringing my son, 19 years old. I've already brought him through it years ago, but we're bringing him through it again. I disciple him. Every Tuesday night, I disciple my son and two of his buddies. One of those guys goes to this campus. So we've been going through the pursuit together. It's great review, but it's not just about them reviewing the, the essentials of Christianity. It's also about them being equipped to take someone else through it. And so that's really what the pursuit is all about. It's a, it's a kind of a 12, I call it 12 weeks. It's a 12 week track that you can use parents with your kids or for all of us that you can use if you wanna disciple someone and introduce them to Jesus. Jesus told us to go make disciples. And so the pursuit is, is what, we've played, what we've put together as a church to equip you to do just that. So all of the staff members use this in our discipling relationships, and we invite you to do the same thing. Now, today, in week number five, we're getting to, uh, this, might be my fav- this might be my favorite sermon to preach at the moment, because it is such a biblical sermon. The, you know, normally, uh, someone on our staff preps the sermon, that we, all, that we give at all the campuses, but this week, the Apostle Peter prepped the sermon because we're pre- literally preaching his sermon from Acts chapter 10. We wanna tell you about what the early church, 2,000 years ago, what the early church taught about Jesus. And as we thought about what's the best place to find what the early church taught about Jesus, We've, we discovered, I think, one of the simplest, most concise places to find the teachings of the early church on the person and work of Jesus Christ is in Acts chapter 10. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I invite you to open up to Acts chapter 10. And the context for this, I want to give you a little background for this so that you understand. Here's the context. God sent Peter the apostle Peter, to the house of a guy named Cornelius. Okay, so Cornelius was a Roman soldier. Cornelius was not Jewish. He wasn't Jewish. And so up until this point, everyone who'd heard the gospel was Jewish. So something really pivotal happens in Acts chapter 10. The gospel, the good news, goes out to the whole world, not just to the Jewish world. So if you know you're, if you're kind of a little bit of a Bible geek, Acts chapters one through nine, the story of the early church, it's all of that is happening among Jewish Christians. All the, all the original disciples were Jewish. And little did they know that this message wasn't just for the Jewish nation, it was for every nation, it was for everybody. And so the very first time that anyone preached to everybody the Gentiles in particular, was right here in Acts chapter 10. So, and Peter's the one who did it. He goes to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius is there. He's a God-fearing Gentile, which means that he, he's read about the God of Israel, but he's not Jewish. 
He believes in the Old Testament, but he's not Jewish. And so here Cornelius is, his whole family's there. God sends Peter there, and, and he shares the good news about Jesus. And Peter's message, and again, it's just right here, verses, Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 43, his message clearly outlines the five main teachings about Jesus in the early church. And so for the little time that we have left, we're going to go through those five teachings, and we're, we're going we're gonna to show you what the early church taught about Jesus, and I, it's just so beautiful, and it's so simple. In fact, before I even do it, I just, I want to read the, could I just read the whole section to you, and then we're going to break it down. So I'm going to read it to you from Acts 10. Starting in verse 34, it says, Peter said to Cornelius, I can see that God shows no favoritism. In other words, that God really does want the Gentiles to hear the message as well. Peter's actually kind of shocked about this. By the way, this was right after the vision that Peter had, if you remember this, the vision Peter had about the, the sheet coming down from heaven and, and God said, go ahead and kill and eat all of this. He says, oh, no, I'm not gonna eat the stuff that's not kosher. Jew, the Jews had the, these really strict laws about what they could and couldn't eat, right? Like lobster, you couldn't eat lobster because it was shellfish, because it was selfish. <laughs> I'll, I'll scratch that joke out for the next, obviously that's, that's, not, that's not funny. So you couldn't, like there were certain things you weren't supposed, I think Jewish people would have laughed at that. There were certain things that you weren't supposed to eat. And so in this vision in Acts chapter nine, Peter's having this vision, or maybe it was the beginning of Acts chapter 10, it was Acts nine. And the, this, this sheet comes down from heaven and, and Peter, the angel, or Jesus says, kill and eat, eat it all. And, G, and Peter says, no, I'm not supposed to because, because some of that stuff is not holy. And and the, the voice says, don't, don't call something unclean that I have called clean. And it, it turns out that vision wasn't about food, it was about people. I want you to hear that. The vision wasn't about food, it was about people. The Jewish people, Peter among them, thought that Gentiles were unclean and unworthy of God's message. Okay, you have to understand that. Now remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Imago Dei, that God has created all of us in his image, not just Jews, not just Republicans, not just jazz fans, even Bulls fans. I know, I know, you jazz people still have some deep wounds around the, the push-off. But I am from Chicago, and I want you to know that I also am created in the image of God. Even Michael Jordan was created in the image of God, even though he would do such an egregious thing. Every single one of us is created in the image of God. And so here, this is this, is this revelation. Literally, it's a revelation that Peter has that we're all created in the image of God. Don't call something unclean, namely Gentiles, not lobsters, Gentiles. Don't call Gentiles unclean if I had made them clean. And so right after that vision, God sends Peter to share the gospel with Cornelius, this, what Peter formerly thought was unclean, and he starts the message by saying, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. I used to think he did, but now I realize he doesn't. And then he preaches this message here. It says, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel. 
that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened through Judea, beginning in, Ju- in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So he's telling the story about Jesus, right? And he says, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. And they put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. And then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. And we were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So he's saying, we saw this with our own eyes. This is what Peter's telling Cornelius. And he says, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about. This is the end of his sermon. He is the one that all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And spoiler alert, even while Peter was saying these things, this is so cool. So his sermon maybe wasn't even done, but God was like, that's enough. They're ready. So that right there, just, I just read up to verse 43, and then it says, even while he was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening, and they all came to faith in Jesus. His whole household, how cool. Cornelius, all of his kids, his wife, all of his servants, They were all there in attendance hearing this sermon from Peter. Good job, Peter, with this sermon. Peter did great. Here are the five things that we pick out of this that Jesus or that Peter and the early church taught about Jesus. And it's it's so good for us to see this because some of you are here today and you're still sort of dipping your toe in the water. You're still, maybe you would still consider yourself unaffiliated. You would say, I'm not really sure what I think about this. Today's message is. So important, because what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. Because what you believe about Jesus is the thing that will impact your eternal destiny. I wanna say that again, because I think it's important for you to hear that. What you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you, because that's the one thing that impacts your eternal destiny. That's what the early church taught. There are a lot of versions of Jesus out there, but there's only one right version. There's only one real version. This is the real version according to the Bible. Here it is, okay? Number one, first of all, five things about Jesus that the early church taught. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. You'll notice our main talking points today are literally taken straight from Peter's mouth. So verse 36, he says, there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Two things about this. Number one, I want you to see that he says there's peace with God. Remember last week we talked about sin and that we're all broken. And because of sin, we have, this sin is the problem that separates us from a relationship with God. Couples understand this because husbands really understand this. Sometimes you do something and you don't even realize what you do, but your wife's not talking to you anymore. Can I get an Amen. Is it just me or, and so you're trying to like figure out like what just happened there? Some, some, I said something dumb, clearly. Now that's not a surprise, but I said, but I don't know what it was that was dumb that I said, but all I know is that there is not peace 
right? There is not peace in my relationship with my wife right now. And I've got to slowly kind of work my way back into figuring out what is, because the next thing I say might get me into more trouble. Can I get an amen to that, right? Some of you understand what I'm talking about. You really understand. The point is, when you, do, when, you, when you offend your spouse or a friend or whatever, sometimes you don't even know what you did to offend them, but you know that there's not peace. Some of you here today recognize that there's not peace. You don't have peace with God. And you don't because of last week's sermon. Because sin is the problem that we all have. We're all born into sin. And every single one of us needs peace with God, every single one of us. So if you're here today thinking you're the only one who feels that way, I want you to know everyone should feel that way, that we all need peace with God because we did something, we said something that wasn't okay with God. The good news is God doesn't play games with us and he tells us how to have peace. He tells us how to be reconciled. He tells us how to get right with him And here's what it is. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ. That's why this sermon is so important because you need to know who Jesus is and what he did to give you peace with God. The great news about Christianity, Christianity is a religion that says that the way to God, the way to peace with God is not through a set of rules. The way to peace with God is not about a list of do's and don'ts, do this and don't do this, and as long as you keep these things and hopefully by the end of it, then you've done enough good to outweigh the bad in your life, that is not the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity is the way to peace with God is through a person, not through your actions. The the way to peace with God is through Jesus Christ, is through a person. That's why it's important to understand who this person is. So that's the first thing here. There's peace with God. The second thing is, It says, Peter says it right here, that he is Lord of all. It's really important for you to understand the identity of Jesus, the person of Jesus. Hear this, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus isn't just a good prophet. He's not just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a good example. Jesus is not just your older brother. Jesus is Lord of all. All. Jesus is God. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. This is from the Apostle Paul, who wrote this later after Peter's sermon, years later, but he wrote this to the church in Colossae. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. That means he's not a creature, he's the creator. He is supreme over all creation, for through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and I love this last part, and he holds all of creation together. The reason, the reason that this thing right here, this podium, the reason this podium is still standing is because Jesus is holding it together. The reason the chair that you're sitting in hasn't fallen apart, hasn't disintegrated, is because Jesus holds all of creation together. The reason you, the reason your cells in your body work is because Jesus is holding those cells together. Jesus is not just a good person. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a prophet. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is God. That's his identity. That's who he is. That's the person of Jesus. It's important to understand that. 
Peter goes on and he says this in verse 38. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So the first thing that Peter says is who Jesus was. He talks about his person. And for the next two things, Peter is going to talk about what he did. And here's the first thing. He went around doing good. Now, we don't have time to spend on this. We could spend years talking about all the good that Jesus did. But here's one example of this in Luke 4. Verse 40, as the sun went down, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus, and no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command shouting, you are the son of God. Isn't it interesting the demons understood Jesus? They understood who Jesus was. Some of you are just now learning who he is. The demons, trust me, the demons already know. They know who Jesus is. We saw this in week one. We, this, this really shows us the heart of God toward us, the heart of Jesus toward us. This guy with leprosy came and, and he saw Jesus and he bowed with his face to the ground. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. See, notice he knew, he knew that, God, that Jesus had the power to do it. He just didn't know if Jesus had the willingness to do it. And I love what it says there. Jesus reached out and he touched him and he said, I'm willing be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Jesus went around doing good because he's good. He's good. And he, he loves us and he cares about us. And he's willing, he's willing to meet us where we are. He's willing to even touch a leper. That's the second thing Peter says. The third thing Peter says is an extension of the second thing. He said in verse 39 and 40, they put him to death by hanging him on a cross but God raised him to life on the third day. This is the culminating achievement of Jesus while he was on the earth. All the healings and all that stuff, that was really cool. But the coolest thing he did, the most definitive thing that Jesus did is he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And again, we can see that in passages like Luke 23, verse 44. By this time, it was about noon. Darkness fell across the whole land until about three o'clock and light from the sun was gone. This was on the day that Jesus was crucified. Suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. That was a symbol of, of Jesus changing everything. And Jesus shouted out from the cross, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Of course, he was buried in the tomb and he was there for three days. But if you were here on Easter, spoiler alert, if you were here, he didn't stay dead. Muhammad's grave is not empty. Jesus' grave is empty. Very early this next Sunday morning, Luke 24 tells us the women went out to the tomb, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They stood there puzzled and two men, angels suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes and the men asked, I love this smack talk. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Friends, it's so important for you to understand what the four gospels attest to, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead to set us free from sin and death. Praise Jesus for that. It's so, that is, it's so central. That the reason I wanted to take some time to read those two passages, it's very important. Part of your confession of faith, a big part of your confession of faith is that right there, is that you acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross and that you acknowledge that he rose from the dead. 
If you, if you don't acknowledge those things, then you cannot be saved. If you don't believe the testimony of those eyewitnesses and of scripture, then you cannot be saved. It's really central. This was really central. This is a central piece of the good news that the early Christians taught. And that's why 2,000 years later, we still teach this, and it's so central to us. When we baptize someone, we're pointing back to that central moment where Jesus died and rose again. When we take communion, we do this once a month here at Alpine. When we take communion, we're focusing on the central act of Jesus Christ, what he did when he died and he rose again. That's really important. And that's the third thing. Two more. Here's the fourth thing, and this is the one that you didn't expect. So far, everything you're like, okay, good, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. I heard that before. I expected that to make Peter's top five list, the top five things about Jesus. But this fourth thing maybe could surprise you, especially in 2022. It comes from Acts 10, 42. Peter said, Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. And everybody said, did we just turn Southern Baptist or what? Like, why did all of a sudden this turn into a hell and, and hellfire and brimstone sermon? Here's the truth. And it's, I, I'm so grateful that Peter included this in his sermon to Cornelius. The, the, the good news, the Bible doesn't just share the good news, the happy and the rosy stuff. It also shares the bad news, like what we talked about last week, sin. And young people, I want you to hear this. Old people too, but you've already heard this. But some of the young people here maybe haven't heard this. Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. There will come a day when you will, be, you will stand before God and you will be judged I just want every person to hear this. And on that day, your parents won't be there, your pastor won't be there, your youth pastor won't be there, your friends won't be there, it's you. There's gonna come a day when you will stand before the judge and that will be a terrifying day if you haven't made peace with God. That will be a terrifying day if you haven't made peace with God. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. It's really clear. Now, again, the good news is, the good news is we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We don't have to be afraid of that day. I want you to know that. We don't have to be afraid of that day, young and old alike. I want you to hear that. That's the good news. We don't have to be afraid of the day because of Jesus and because of what Jesus did. But make no mistake about it. We will stand before God and he's gonna ask one very, very important question. And that is, have you responded in faith to Jesus? That's the question he's gonna ask. Have you responded in faith to Jesus? Next week, the whole sermon is about how to do that. So please come back next week. If you, whether, whether you're on the fence, wherever you think you stand, please come back next week. Next week's message is all about how to respond so that we don't have to be judged. So that when we stand before God, we the Bible says that we can be clothed in the, in the robe of righteousness that Jesus provides us. It's a scary thing, but it doesn't have to be a scary thing. And so we want to make sure that you understand that. Now, I'd love to tell you more about that now, but 
But today's message is really just more about who is Jesus. We, we don't want to cut the conversation short about how to respond to Jesus. And that's, again, going to be next week. But, but know for sure that Jesus will judge you. Paul said it like this in Romans 2. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil. And it's interesting, he says, first for the Jew and also for the Gentile. Talk about a fitting message for Cornelius. Like the Jew and the Gentile will have to stand before God and answer. And Paul, sa- Paul says in verse 16, this is the message I proclaim. The day is coming when God, through Jesus Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. So see, Peter said it in Acts 10, and then late, years later, Paul reaffirms it in the book of Romans. So this is what the Bible teaches. And there's one last thing. Everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven through his name. And that's where, that's where I'm sure Cornelius and everybody there listening was like, oh, because you're like on the edge of the seat hearing that you're going to be judged. But now he gives the answer that kind of goes back to the peace with God thing that he started. That You see how great of a sermon this was? He starts with peace with God and he ends with peace with God. And he says, everyone who believes in Jesus will have peace with God. You will have reconciliation. You will have your sins forgiven. How? How can my sins be forgiven? When you trust in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus for salvation. Not when you get your act together, not when you, when you up your giving, which I think you should still, but that's not gonna save you, okay? And I thought Eric's joke was great, by the way. Some are given, some are not, you know? I thought it was worth a laugh, but then again, I thought there were some other things in my sermon that were worth a laugh, whatever. Maybe it's your problem, not ours. <laughs> Giving's not gonna save you. Serving in kids' church isn't gonna save you. Serving on our clean team isn't gonna save you. Although those are wonderful things. And we thank you for all of that, those of you who are involved in that. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will have their sins forgiven through his name. That's the gospel message, believing in Jesus. But you have to have the right Jesus. If you have the wrong Jesus, then your Jesus doesn't save you. If your Jesus is anything less than the Jesus of Peter and Paul and John and the other disciples in the, in the Bible, then that Jesus isn't gonna save you because that's not the real Jesus. So I wanna finish here with Romans 3, 23. Paul says this, everyone is sin, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus, in case you missed that. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God when they Give more. No. People are made right with God when they clean up all, all the, clean out all the skeletons in their closet. No. People are made right with God when they, they treat their pets better. No. When they treat their spouse better. No. People are made right with God. Here it is. And this is, this is not just found in Romans 3. This is found all throughout the Bible. Hear this. People are made right with God when they believe, when they believe. But believe what? When they believe what? When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You are not saved 
by keeping a list of do's and don'ts. That, pro- that sin problem that we talked about last week, that, that, you know, we define sin as going your own way, it's doing what you want instead of what God wants. That sin problem is only fixed by what Jesus did on the cross. When he died on the cross, he nailed your sins to the cross. And when he rose from the dead, he proved his power over sin and death and the grave. And the Bible says this, that everyone is made right with God. Anyone at all, anyone at all who wants it can be made right with God. No matter what's in your past, no matter what you've done, what you've said, doesn't matter. Some of you might be here today saying, but you don't know. I don't, you're right, I don't know, but God knows. And God still makes his promise to you and to me and to everyone. That when we turn to him and we say, I want to trust I want to trust you. The Bible says that we will be saved. That happened for me when I was six years old. And I haven't sinned since then. I'm so glad you realized that was a joke. Because that was a joke. Some of you laugh because you know me. You know I've sinned since then. So the, the, Jesus saved me because of what he did on the cross, not because of what how, how well I can live my life to honor him. I still want to live my life well to honor him, but I don't have to live in fear because Jesus has given me peace with God. You can have that too. If you're here today and you'd say, like, I want that. I, like, I want that kind of assurance. I, I want that kind of peace. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen it or thought about it so clearly before, but I want that simple peace that comes through trusting in Jesus Christ. I know I said next week's a sermon on the response, but it'd be dumb for us not to give you a chance to respond. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes today. And I just want to invite you, whether here in this place or, or watching online, if, if today, even before we hear the sermon on how to respond, if, if today you say, I, I wanna respond to Jesus, I, I, wanna, I wanna believe in Jesus today, I wanna know that I have peace with God through Jesus. If that's you today, I just want to invite you to, just bet- it's between you and God, I just want to invite you to raise, just slip up your hand and slip it back down. Just slip up your hand and slip it right back down. God knows, he sees it. Just take a minute to do that, anyone who wants to do that. And if you're watching from home, or if you're here today and that's you, then I want to invite you to pray a prayer, a simple prayer just like this, just in your heart. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for dying for my sins. And thank you for defeating death by being raised to life three days later. I acknowledge that you are the Lord of all. And I thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Wash me clean and help me to live a different kind of life. In Jesus' name, amen.